Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the grow your own food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Diane Kennedy of Finch Frolic Garden to talk about her experience with permaculture. Diane runs Finch Frolic Garden, a food forest habitat and demonstration site in San Diego County. Diane is a former senior park ranger, tour guide for the San Diego Zoo Safari Park, librarian, and independent baker. She is a longtime vegetarian, organic gardener, freelance writer, and activist. Along with her daughter Miranda, she lectures, gives tours of her food forest, consults, designs, and promotes permaculture. Welcome to the show today, Diane. Thank you so much, Greg. Absolutely. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks and share more about how you got where you're at with this project and with your life, really? Certainly. Um, I've done, as you just mentioned, uh, many things in my life, Um, but I came to a point um, about uh, five years ago where it all kind of came to a a head and directed me into this position. Mm -hmm. Um, Having been an organic gardener for most of my life informally um, and lecturing and touring uh, as a safari park person and park ranger, Mm -hmm. I had a lot to do with the environment. Um, I'm very big on preserving habitat. I cook. I love growing things. Um, I've lived on this property for about 16 years uh, with me and my children, and uh, they've grown up. About five years ago, I uh, quit my job when my youngest went off to college um, and tried to see who I was at middle age. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Another one of those jumping off decisions. Right. And someone mentioned the word permaculture to me, and I had heard the word before, and I kind of went, oh, yeah, I kind of know what that is, you know. And this time, I had the time and uh, opportunity. I looked it up, and went, oh, my gosh, why didn't I do this years ago? <laughs> it just it drew together so much that not, you know, the few things that I had been doing, but so much more that just makes right. sense. It's, yeah. it's a, a head-slapping type of thing. It's like, ah, oh, of course, you know. Right. <laughs> So I wanted to do that. I wanted to make my um, property 
um, a habitat. So because there's so much death of of wildlife, you know, the World Wildlife Fund had put out a report uh, last year saying that between 1970 and um, 2010, over 52% of the world's population of animals is gone. Right. And um, so I want to do my part that way. Um, I also wanted to grow our own food. I wanted to help the environment, help the soil. And if the economy completely tanked and, you know, the, the zombie apocalypse happened, we can lock <laughs> the gate. And me and my kids could hole up here with a, a few well-chosen friends right. and, uh, and, and eat off of it. So at that time, there wasn't a large permaculture activity going on in in San Diego. Mm-hmm. So um, I acquired permaculture books. I hired a friend of mine who is a landscape architect who had an open mind, shoved all these books in his hands and said, let's, <laughs> let's, let's do this, this food for yeah. us. But, yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, he went with it. Um, designed uh, a lovely garden. There is many permaculture aspects to it. Um, and then doing everything backwards in my life. After that was done, I took my my permaculture design certificate, of course. And then, <laughs> nice. Then, Where did you take yeah, that at? Where did you take that at? Um, with, with Josh Robinson here in uh, San Diego. Perfect. Um, he's part of uh, San Diego Sustainable Institute. Perma- let me just, just for our listeners, tell them what a permaculture design course is. It's a um, a course that um, it, it varies in length depending on the person who is giving it, uh-huh. but it basically encompasses all aspects of permaculture of what you do with with your property, how to hold water in the soil, how to design, how to do sustainable type of of um, uh, growing. Um, it leads into the community, so you're given a lot of information where you can take where you want from it and through it it is a design course you do create a permaculture design for a property of your choice at the end of this and then when it's done you fly with that information and go whichever way you want right so define permaculture what's your definition um, it's one of those terms. It's 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 you know a term coined by Bill Mollison mm-hmm. back in the 1970s, and it's permanent agriculture shoved together, which really doesn't describe anything. <laughs> but um, it's a, a collection of old school, um, old world methods of engineering the the soil so that you can grow things without detriment to the environment, without detriment to the soil. Completely opposite of what our traditional landscaping and agricultural practices have been um, in the last hundred years. Um, I like to call permaculture the art and science of working in the flow of nature. That's wonderful. That's yeah. a really concise one. Yeah. <laughs> That's excellent. Well, I've had a, I've had a few more decades on on you for because I did my first permaculture design course in 1991, and oh, inter- yeah. interesting when you said a head smacker. Um, so when I took my permaculture design course, it was mm-hmm. I I went through it like oh my gosh, this is what I've been thinking all my life. How come I yes, missed it? Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh huh. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, there's there's things about it. I don't know what I, I some of the best people or they're all wonderful people, but some of the people who are the most excited, I should say, who come through my tours are uh like the those who are um combat vets who come oh, through yes. uh-huh. um and teenagers um because it makes so much sense to them and they are about to go embark on obtaining land or working on their parents' land or changing their life in some way. And it just makes so much sense. They're just, they get happier and happier mm-hmm. and, <laughs> yeah. and and almost giddy when you start talking right. about uh, stacking functions and the other things that happen because because permaculture you can't lose on. It's everything is right. better and it sounds, right. you know, it sounds like a, a cult, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I want to get on to Finch Frolic Gardens, but you, you said a term that I, I want to have you define, stacking functions. One of my favorite yes. ones. But say a little more about that, would you? Uh, yeah, that's part of the magic of, of this. This is it, it, It's like fitting puzzle pieces together in your landscape where it all com- has a complete um, photo, a picture at the end. Um, it's arranging things in your garden or in your life, because permaculture goes into life and community big and time. inside the home as well. Yeah, big yes. time. Uh-huh. Um, so that things work together. Um, three, three of the things that the mantras of permaculture, one is that you should have 99% design and 1% labor. Um, <laughs> yes, which like that. People, yeah, really love that. Yep. Um, if you're working too hard and your design is wrong. Oh, and, yes, yes, um, exactly. Yep. And the problem is the solution. So mm-hmm. when you stack functions, perhaps you... Um, like I have an outdoor sink. Um, I set it up down by the chicken house. I had buckets underneath each side of it. It's an old sink that was mm-hmm. an old remodel stacked on a an old fish tank stand. And I was hauling the buckets out from under it and was slopping water around. And it was uh, so I finally stood back and went, I'm working too hard. So, <laughs> okay, I moved it over. I took some heads off of some plungers and screwed them on PVC and put the PVC out into this apple tree guild thing. And now every time I wash my hands, I water the, the tree, Trace, and yeah. <laughs> you know. Nice. So it's it's making things work together, um, yeah. so that you're not working so hard. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautifully said. Beautifully said. So tell me about Finch Frolic Garden. What is it? What do you do there? Okay, it's a it is a food forest. It's a it's kind of on the wild side. It uh-huh. is a forest. Um, it's a forest. Although part of permaculture it. can be used in, I've designed you know English country gardens and French country gardens with permaculture, but we have a collection of food plants, habitat plants, lots and lots of native plants. There's um, timber bamboo, um, there's fruit and vegetables, there's annuals and perennials. Um, They're arranged in what's called plant guilds, where plants are actually working together to grow rather than competing for the same nutrients. Oh, right. Uh There's uh, medicinal plants, there's, you know, insectary plants. Mm -hmm. all, all throughout, and they they grow. The only pruning we really do is to try to keep the pathways open because it all is right. so vigorous, and it's done without a drop of chemicals. Um, it, it's nothing magical about the soil. Mm-hmm. It was 
decomposed granite on the top, uh, fill dirt, um, and then uh, about halfway down the property, it turns in the slick antelope, anaerobic clay. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so, and people come through the garden and look at how vigorous everything's growing and say, no way, this is a four-year-old garden. <laughs> <laughs> pour water on it. No, we don't. We have unfiltered well water. I put the well in, and mm-hmm. we um, we water um, with the same constraints as everyone else around here um, has, so that there's nothing special about what we're doing here. I want to show people they can do this anywhere uh, under, you know, any constraints that they have. Perfect. So you, you mentioned the word food forest. Mm-hmm. Tell me what that means. You kind of alluded to it, but let's dig into that one a little deeper. Okay. Uh, A food forest is where you have the dimensions of a forest, the canopy, subcanopy, all the other uh, elements of of what's termed a plant guild. Um, But you substitute in plants that you like to eat, that you can eat. So, for for instance, here in, in San Diego... Um, there aren't a lot of um, major food plants unless you want to process a lot of small things a lot, like soaking acorns or grinding up berries or, um, you know, because we're an elfin forest. Everything's small. We don't have, you know, apples and peaches and plums growing here. Mm -hmm. So we have natives in the food forest, but we also substitute in um, plants that give us food um, that we like to eat or can eat, and then surround them with, you know, other plants that uh, are companion plants mm-hmm. for them. Perfect. So, and, and you also mentioned the word guild. I uh, want to mm-hmm. kind of give you an opportunity to speak that too. You, you've been bringing up some great topics, and and your explanations of them are great. So, what what is a guild, and how do we do that? Uh, a plant guild is an arrangement of plants where, uh, as I said, they're not competing. If you have monoculture, um, you know, all one thing plant at one place, mm-hmm. they all compete for the exactly the same things oh, out of right. the soil. Yes, but in in nature. Nature arranges plants so they each have a function, so they're actually uh, helping each other grow. And there's a long lecture involved with what's going on underground <laughs> oh, that yes. I won't you know, launch into, but I'm actually doing a series on my blog right now about plant guilds. But um, there's you know, canopy, sub-canopy plants that mine nutrients from deep in the oh, soil, yes. through deep tap roots. Yep. And yeah, and bring them out to their leaves. Um, there's nitrogen-fixing plants. There's ground covers. There's vines. There's insectary plants, and they're they each, when arranged together. Uh, in help each other grow um, so that you don't need to do anything. You don't mm-hmm. need to pour chemicals on these plants. So, so they're, um, they're working in cooperation, then, it sounds like. Yeah, in community. Um, yeah. And they do that through exudates in the soil. It goes on and on. So, um, But um, it, it is like magic because, you know, even though I do it, I'm out in the garden nearly every day. Um, my daughter and I work out there. Mm-hmm. We, we're constantly going, oh, my gosh, look at this. <laughs> look at how well this is growing. Yeah. <laughs> and I do have to explain to our visitors that, you know, we have timber bamboo and we have sycamores that I didn't truck in 
plants, you know, large size plants four years ago. Um, these were, you know, one gallon, five gallon. The largest would be 15 gallon, but not that many because I'm not a wealthy right. person. All this growth is because we catch rainwater in the soil yep. and we we add, you know, organics back into the soil again. Right. Fantastic. Yeah, it's cool. It is. It is magical because that's neat. We're allowing nature to do what they're supposed, you know, what what, what things are supposed to do. Yeah. Imagine, and, and plus, imagine that, right? Yeah, imagine that. We just have to get out of their way. You know? yeah. <laughs> but also, you know, and as I said, I wanted to have habitat here. And that has been amazing. Um, we, my daughter's a, a birder, um, and she's uh, identified, um, I think it's 96 species of birds in oh, our wow. acre and a half. Really? In the last four years. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, the butterflies that come through, the dragonflies, mm -hmm. um, all kinds of animals and insects. And part of the, um, you know, the, the problem is the solution. We had all this anaerobic clay, so what do you do with it? You make a pond out of it, and we have an unlined oh, um, nice. year-round pond. Nice. Yes. And and one of our one of our big triumphs here um, was that this summer a pair of endangered western pond turtles, the native turtles, appeared in our in our our pond. Spontaneously, um, just appeared. Appeared. They had to wow. climb a fence to get over, <laughs> which turtles do. Um, but yeah, they're endangered. We have a pond that is has no artificial aeration or filtration. Mm -hmm. The plants and the fish do it all, and it's topped up by the well, unfiltered well water, mm -hmm. and it's as microbially diverse as good soil is. Right. And these turtles found it, and we're living here all summer long. So that was that was like my highest uh, achievement, or it's not even my achievement. It's just you know the highest achievement of the property is it's having that happen yeah the system's working it's, you put, it's toe is working <laughs> you put you put nature back in place and and it just yeah. magically happens how fantastic is that yeah yeah i know fantastic. and you know anybody can do this they really yeah. can so can you talk about a time you failed how you might have overcome that and what you learned from it yeah, I haven't been in this business for that long, but it has been a challenge. Part of the initial plantings, there was a lot of things that were done that turned out to be very wrong. But <laughs> um, again, the problem is the solution. So right. by having to deal with it myself, um, transplanting things, removing uh, invasive things, I learned, and now when I do designs um, and consultations, I really know what I'm talking about yeah. <laughs> because I've had my fingers in the soil. I think, you know, it's always about water um, mm. oh, now. Especially, um, yeah, especially in Southern California. Very much so. Um, so, you know, things that were done, like uh, the irrigation system that pumps the well water up was uh, recommended to me, and I went with it. It's a subterranean irrigation system, and it was like the worst possible thing I could have done. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and so that's that's one of the, the big, I, I just, I tell people, you know, I show them what it is, and I say, you know, if you have a golf course, this is perfect, but um, for a food forest, you know, I'm doing the mistake so that you don't have to. Exactly. Um, 
Exactly. Yeah. So, but then that's another big learning curve for me too. Um, we're just, uh, you know, trying to get more and more water into the soil mm-hmm. um, through more and more swales and rain catchment basins, and um, um, so it's something we're overcoming. We just work on it. Exactly. So you've mentioned the swale a couple times now. Can you define that? A swale is a level-bottomed ditch that is usually done on contour around mm-hmm. your property. It is to um, catch rainwater. It is done perpendicular to water flow, and because it's le- perfectly level on the bottom, water pacifies when it hits it, gradually fills it up, and then it can percolate into the soil or can overflow through a designated overflow into yet another swale. It kind of looks like terracing, but it's not. Terracing is on steeper properties. Right. Um, but swales can be done with a backhoe or it can be done with a trowel above every plant that you put in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a matter of getting water into the ground above plants. Perfect. So can you tell me what you consider your biz- biggest success? Besides the Western pond turtle showing up, I think it's getting the word permaculture known in our little town of Fallbrook mm. um, and, and the surrounds. Um, and I've done a lot of lectures. This is a, uh, this is a community that's, that's fairly old, and um, there's, you know, the garden club has been here for 100 years wow. <laughs> and functioning, yeah. you know. Uh, so there's a, and there's a lot of, you know, traditional landscaping going on. But I, I lecture here and all around San Diego County and, and to Los Angeles, and how people come up to me ask, you know, at, at some point, you know, a year later or something, go, you know, I bought a blender, used blender, and I've been doing my kitchen waste in uh-huh. the blender and pouring it on my plants since I heard you, and you wouldn't believe the difference in my <laughs> roses. You know? Right. <laughs> you know. So, and, and hearing people, I now sheet mulch underneath my fruit trees and my orange trees in full bloom. And, yep. you know, it's, it's hearing that come back. That's, that's my success. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and a lot of my, since I, I have a food forest, but a, a big part of my audience are people who really aren't my, that interested in growing food, but they want to save money and they mm-hmm. want to have a pretty yard. And, you know, they have a gardener, that the, the, the whims of their gardener. And um, teaching them how to, to grow even organic, uh, uh, you know, uh, ornamentals mm-hmm. sustainably, organically, and saving money. You know, that's a big thing, just the people stop pouring poisons on the environment. Um, It helps everybody who is trying to grow food. (laughs) So I've I've made some impact there, which I really, I I am very um, happy about. Yeah. And what drives you? The need to get this word out. We are in a very bad situation on Earth. We have a lot, humans have a lot to answer for. (laughs) That's a good way um, of putting it. Yeah, and 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 it's a lot of the problem is that we just we've we've grown so far away from knowing what is good for the earth that we really just don't know how to act. So I feel compelled to educate people 
on alternative methods where they don't have to pour money into this, and they can do have better, yeah. better gardens, better everything by you know hookah culture, you know, burying wood, burying, right. burying their their recyclables, burying um, their old T-shirts, <laughs> yeah. making little swales, you know, looking at the label to make sure they don't have something that's been treated with systemic. You know, buying something in cardboard that, rather than in plastic, plastic. so they can then, yeah. yeah, put that back into their compost. So that's that's what really drives me. I just uh, I want to educate people to make it easier for them and make them less of a victim of of you know traditional. And I mean traditional since about World War II, landscaping and horticultural ideas where they're unhappy with their yard. They know there's there's a money pit with uh, all this chemicals going on to it. They're not getting any pleasure from it at all. And um, this is kind of freeing for them. Yeah. There's another way. Yes. (laughs) So I'm all about education. I have to know, is there one book that has uh, really framed out your life? In this arena? Yeah, there are so many good permaculture books out there now. It is just amazing. The one that I ended up with first, one of the ones, was Gaia's Garden by Toby Hemingway. Oh, yes. And I recommend, yeah, I recommend it so much because it is so user-friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody does not have to have had a permaculture design certificate course to read it right. or even know much about gardening at all to understand the concepts of rain catchment and swales and and stacking functions, and yeah. et cetera, the, the basics of, of permaculture. Yeah. And Toby's actually got a new book out called The Permaculture City, and he recently started giving classes with Urban Farm U, which is the sister organization to Urban Farm Podcast. So, yeah, so through our Urban Farm U, Toby gives a class called The Permaculture City. So I'm really excellent. Ex- yeah. I just I just purchased his new book, um, and but I didn't know about the class. Yeah. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. he's a, a superb speaker. Yes, um, that just, he is. Uh, I, I've heard him speak many times. So. Yeah. So, do you have one final piece of advice for our listeners today? Yes, just you can do it. You no, know, does it not matter? how physically able or unable you are or Uh what size property you can do permaculture on a balcony with pots Uh you can do it if you are bound to a wheelchair or not able to move around a lot it's you can you can do that there are methods to help your 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 property your environment and your health without having to be the, um, some big robust person on 16 acres. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's good for everyone, and um, it makes you feel great when you start um, recycling and repurposing in a way that's actually bringing you prettier roses or better beets. So. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today and sharing your experience, Diane. Oh, well, thank you so much, Greg. It's been an absolute treat chatting with you. How can our listeners get a hold of you? I write a blog called uh, Vegetariat.com. That's um, vegetarian and proletariat, not secretariat. <laughs> I blog on that a lot. My daughter runs our Finch Frolic Facebook page where Perfect. she photographs all of our a- animals, insects, birds, identifies them in length on there. So there's albums for identification on oh, there. Nice. 
and um, and then my email address um, is is on there. Um, it is Diane C Kennedy at prodigy.net. Perfect. Well, that's all for today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.